want to dedicate this to Maria Waite, who has just come back from a long siege there. Lord be glorified. As we go to worship today, we are thankful for our Sunday school class and our opportunity to worship. We want to welcome all those by way of television this morning. Our opening hymn is Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise, Purple Number 103, and Honor the Birthday of Charlene Mayer. And if you could all kind of maybe wave at the camera with Charlene Mayer, she's a faithful watcher of our congregation, and we want to make sure that Charlene Mayer has a blessed and a happy birthday. Shall we all stand as we turn and give God the glory and honor the birthday of Charlene Mayer. Purple hymnals number 103, immortal, invisible, God-only wise. Would you please stand?
Thank you. You may be seated in our praise song as Freely Frilly, Purple Hymnals, number 389, the birthdays of D. Franklin Smith, Joy Haber Durant. I just talked with Joy not long ago, and she sends greetings and love from Duluth. Father, this morning we want to give you grateful praise for our Sunday school class and attendees. We want to give you praise for our opportunity of worship and come before thee and praise and worship. 
hearing, discerning the word of God. We all pray for a new heart, for thou art over us, thou who art one with us, thou who art, give us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, a heart of faith that we may abide in thee. We thank you for Chris Larson as he travels and considers this his family and can be unable to be at the omelet dinner and he requested that his family wait if all possible to come next month rather than this month. We thank you, Father, that he considers us his, his family and he's very proud of us at the Osseo Legion as we come and support this great cause next month. We pray for our teacher of our Sunday school class, Ira. Pray for Nancy as she brings closure to Robin Child Care and as she's cleaned out her, the facility. And as we prepare for next Sunday, whether she comes or not, that we will celebrate the many years of service to the area that Robin Child Care and Nancy and her faithful teachers. We'll also pray for the showing of the film next Sunday, Enemies Within the Church, and how rather than the church going into the world and spreading the gospel, the good news, we find that many cultural things are coming into the church and are enemies of the faith. We thank you for those who are celebrating birthdays, anniversaries this week, and especially remember those very close and dear to us. We remember Jim and Charlene Mayer who watch our televised series very faithfully and we remember Dee Franklin and Joy. We pray for others, Lord, by way of television that have needs. Pray for Allison Peterson and people family and we thank you for the good return and safe return of Marie Waite her faithfulness on Wednesdays during our midweek services and as we continue to bring closure to the study of the Bible this coming Wednesday for we thank you Father that you're a faithful God. We do pray for various chaotic situations around the world, the China-Taiwan situation, more recently the Russian invasion of kind of a neutral country. Pray for wisdom. We pray for those truckers, the dependency on communication and the times that we live in as we see Big Brother, various socialistic and communistic moves within our our nation. We pray your blessings upon our scripture reading that those who actively listen by way of radio and Facebook and other means of communication and television as they grab their Bibles and as they prepare to follow along with us according to Luke chapter 6, 27 to 38, 
these 11 verses that are very powerful on, on the Christian walk and how we can exemplify ourselves from the heathen world that we live in. Christ gave us some real marching orders here to implement in our, our walk and in our talk. May we examine our hearts as we look at this report card according to Luke chapter 6, 27 and the following 11 verses through 38. Pray for Mike as he comes now and prepares to share moments with the laity. We ask your tremendous blessing that you want to give to each and every one of us by your Holy Spirit, your acts of love for us. Bless as we divide this scripture, as we expound and as we marvel in the many blessings that you have for us, according to Luke chapter 6, 27 following. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as you taught us all to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you'd be so gracious to turn with me to, excuse me, Luke, Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and following. According to the word of God here, to the people of God, our yardstick, and our compass for our Christian behavior. Reading from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and following. Love for enemies. Jesus sa says, I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, if anyone strikes you on this cheek, offer the other cheek also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, and in our modern day, we could look at that as our car, takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt, your home. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do not let others do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope, you hope to receive what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For the one who is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, 
and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give. Yes, give. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word today. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Morning, Mike. Lord tells us right away to do what with our enemies? To love them. This is far simpler to say than it is to do. But then he went farther. He tells us to bless and pray for those that curse us. We should always do good, bless and pray positively for those that even mistreat us. We should not pray for them to fall into misfortune despite the need we may feel to get even. We should pray for them to grow closer to Jesus and that nobody else will experience the same misfortune that you did when you dealt with them. The first thing we should learn from this is God knows we will have trouble in opposition on earth here as long as we're here. Our Heavenly Father does know this, but he gives us a solution, prayer. When he tells us to bless those who curse us, he's not talking about a voodoo-type curse. He simply means to speak well and treat others that do bad to us. Then he tells us to react to bad things in an extremely counterintuitive and unnatural fashion. He tells us that if one strikes us on the cheek, turn to him the other. Jesus was the model for us to replicate. None of us will ever have to endure the shame and torture that he did. But he tolerated that abuse for us, for you, for me, for everybody in the world. The least we can do to honor this sacrifice that he made to be kind and gentle to others that may even mistreat us. Despite this type of physical abuse offense, offense mentioned, Jesus did not tell us that we should stand for physical abuse and never defend ourselves. That is not what he was saying. He was speaking metaphorically. Back then, a slap to the face was culturally understood as a deep insult. It wasn't a physical attack. It was an insult to be slapped in the face. For further study, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20 has this kind of insult slap. I'll read it. For you bear, for you bear if, it, if a man makes slaves of you and preys upon you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. That is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20. When he says... You should give your shirt to someone who steals your coat. He speaks of taking command of the situation you're in by responding with sacrificial love and his grace. It sounds ridiculous for us to act like this. But first thing we should do is consider the consequences are felt in heaven, not just here on earth. For when we respond for bad and evil acts against us, 
with love. Angels in heaven celebrate. You know, when we do this, when we do something kind or loving to somebody who mistreats us, we may not see the end results of our actions, but that should never keep us from taking the high road for anything that somebody does against us. It's a, a similar verse is found in Romans 12, chapter, chapter 12, uh, 21. Paul repeated this idea of Jesus. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good, with kindness, with love. Verse 31 is a universal maxim I wish everyone on earth followed. It says to do others what would you have what you would have them do to you? Wow. Life here on earth would be so immensely different if people would just follow that simple command. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Do you want them to steal from you? Probably not. So don't steal from them. Do you want them to verbally abuse you? No. Why would you? So don't do it to them. Do to others. Do to other people as you would have other people do unto you. Something so easy to read, so hard for us to model effectively with consistency, but we should. The next verse seems so obvious. Should we get credit for loving those who love us? Really? Your mom loved you, fed you, bathed you. You should return that kind of love to them. Why wouldn't you? Probably not only feels bad, but it would feel sinful to mistreat someone who loves you. That is why God rewards us for it. When he sees somebody do, do, do something bad to you, and you say, well, you know, you could really do that better, or accomplish your goals, uh, goals in a better way by doing this or that, you're helping them with love. The heart of God's purpose for us is found in verse 35. We should love enemies and those against us. When this is done by us, God's love is perfectly replicated here on earth. Doing this not only separates Christians from those who have not found God's love, but it shows and spreads God's love through us in the view and for the benefit of others. I thought of this in Sunday school, so I just want to share with you. You know what? You want God to do things for you, right? Much more important that God does things through you. You're the medium that God uses to touch others' hearts. That's more important than God doing something for you. Pray that God does stuff through you for the sake of others. Many people know that verse and misunderstand its meaning. Judgment and discernment are different things, but easily confused. Its meaning is not that Christians should have universal, universal acceptance and approval of sinful actions against them. We're not whipping posts, spiritually or physically. There's a wide gap between judgment and discernment. I've been told dozens of times to not be so judgmental. Well, I'm simply speaking of discernment. Oh, Mike, don't be so judgmental. Well, but it's wrong. I keep that to myself, but sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, there's a difference between judgment and discernment, 
And when people feel you're being judgmental, think of it yourself. Are you, are you really belittling them? Or are you trying to steer them on the right path? That is the big difference between judgment and discernment. It's us as Christians' duty to Jesus Christ Almighty and God to show unconditional love to everyone, not just those we choose, not just people that make us feel good. Who should we love? Who should we show love to? Everybody. Everybody should fall into that category for you. A Christian job is never to show just approval of things. Don't feel judgmental when you're calling somebody something wrong. Don't feel judgmental. You're not. You're really helping them. If they're doing a sin that you know full well is not proper to do and is against God, say a gentle word of love to them. That may go a long way, whether or not you find out about the results. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You always kind of take my lightning and thunder away. I know. Amen. Thank you. The Lord's lightning and thunder. We so appreciate uh, the preparation that Mike and Tina put into that message. I'm sure um, Tina looks over your shoulder. And as far as I know, we're the only church that has kind of a lay representation of Scripture. You know, we've been doing this for how long, Mike? Years. In, in how long have you? How long has it been since I asked you to first come and share in the pulpit? Right. And he was working faithfully over to Target. I looked at him and I said, that guy has some military background, the way, the way he wears his hair. And he gave me his kiss. <laughs> it's long now? Okay. Again, thank you, Mike. The teaching, the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ here, as in these verses we try to make it very clear that this is a kind of a yardstick, this is kind of a compass, you know, for our spiritual growth, how we are to exemplify our life in comparison to the life of the world. And this teaching is confined to one great subject, and that subject here, that subject is Christian love and charity. Now, charity is something that, it's a term that we don't often use in a public life, but it's kind of love in action. It's love in action, you know. First Corinthians 13 talks about the love chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I'm like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I was to martyr my life, give my life, but had not love, I would gain nothing. If I had so much faith to say to a mountain, mountain be moved, and the mountain moved, but did not have love, I am nothing. First Corinthians 13 talks about what love is. Love is patience and kindness and self-control. And here Jesus talks and shares in his scripture that this subject is a, is a subject of Christian love and, and charity. Charity, which is the grand characteristic of the gospel. It's love in action. God in action through our lives. Charity, which is the bond, a bond of perfectedness. Charity, without which a person is nothing in God's sight. 
Charity is here fully expounded and strongly enforced. Well would it be and well would it have been for the Church of Christ if its master's precept in this passage had been more carefully studied and more diligently observed. In the first place, our Lord Jesus Christ explains the very nature and, and extent of, of Christian charity. The disciples might ask, where are we to love? And we might ask today, to whom are we to love? And Jesus bids them love their enemies. Love their enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them that despitefully use you. I'm always mystified when there's a corridor of law enforcement and those rioters, those degenerates, will spit in the face of our officers and curse our officers, trying to protect you and I. He bids them to love their enemies, to do good to them that hate them, to bless them that curse them, and to pray for them that despitefully use them. Their love was to be like his own towards sinners. His love was a sense of unselfishness, disinterested, and uninfluenced by the hope of any sense of return and love and response. What was to be the manner of this love? The disciples and the current contemporary followers of Jesus Christ, you and I might ask, it was to be this self-sacrificing and this self-denying unto the one that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. The one that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat, coat also. They were to give up much, they were to endure much, for the sake of showing kindness and, and avoiding strife, they were to forego even their rights, their, their rights, and submit to wrong rather than awaken any angry passions and create quarrels. Is this, and in this, they were to be like their master, their master Jesus, long-suffering, meek, and lowly of heart. In the second place, our Lord lays down a, a, gold, a very golden principle for the settlement of doubtful cases. I think Mike deliberated and shared the discernment between judging others and discerning certain things in life. Jesus knew well that you and I, that there, there will always be occasions when the line of duty when the express line of duty towards our neighbor is not, is not so clearly, clearly defined. Jesus knows how much our own interest and our own private, private feelings will, will sometimes dim our perceptions of, of right and wrong. He supplies us with this, with this precept for our guidance and 
in all such cases, in such a sense of infinite wisdom, a precept which even infidels, infidels, the heathen, non-believers have been compelled to admire. As you would that others should do to you, do also to them likewise. To do to others as they do to us and to return evil for evil is, is the standard of an unbeliever, the standard of a heathen. To behave to others as we would like others to behave to us, whatever their actual behavior may be, this should be the mark at which the Christian should aim. This is the mark, the steps of our, our blessed Savior. If Jesus had dealt with, with the world, if Jesus had dealt with you and I as the world dealt with him, we should all have been ruined forever in hell. In the third place, our Lord points out to his followers, his, his disciples that would lead others and influence others for the kingdom and Christ, that the very necessity of their having a, a higher, much higher standard of duty to their neighbor than the children of this world. Jesus reminds them, and you and I, that to love those who love them and to do good to those who do good to them and to lend to those of whom they hope to receive is no act no better than the sinner, the sinner who knows nothing of the gospel. But the Christian, the true believer and disciple, must, must be altogether another style of a person. Their feelings of love, their deeds of, and acts of kindness must be like their master Jesus, free, and gratuitous. One must let others see that, that their lives, their very lives, are lives of a higher principle than the ungodly do, and, and that their charity is not confined to those from whom they hope to get something back in return. That anybody, anybody can show kindness and charity when one hopes to gain something by it. But such charity should never content a Christian. The one who is content with it ought to remember that the one is such a sense of a practitioner is at the level of the old Roman or the Greek idolater or the scribe or the Pharisee or the Sadducee that dealt with Jesus. In the fourth place, the fourth place, our Lord shows his disciples that it's discharging. It's discharging their duty to their neighbors. They should look to the example of God. If they call themselves children, children of the highest, they should consider that their father is a very is kind to the unthankful and is kind to the evil. And they should learn from Jesus to be merciful even as Jesus was merciful. The extent of God's 
acknowledged mercies to us can never be reckoned up, can never be truly understood. Every year, God pours, pours into you and I and benefits on millions who do not honor the hand from which they have come or thank the giver of, of them. Yet every year and every day, every moment that passes, there's benefits that are continued. Seed time and harvest, summer and winter, never cease. God's mercy endureth forever. Forever. God's loving kindness is unwearied. His passions fail not. So ought it to be with all who profess themselves to be his children. Thanklessness and ingratitude should not make them slack their hands from works of love and mercy and charity. Like their Father in heaven, they should never, never be tired of doing good. And in the last place today, by way of television, radio, and YouTube, and other means, I've been at the bedside of many a person, many a minister, and I've often asked ministers at the bedside, what, if you had to do life over again, what would you do? And they said, I'd preach on love and charity more. In the last place, our Lord assures his disciples that the practice of the high standard of love and charity recommends that it shall bring its rewards. Judge not, he says, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, give, and it shall be given unto you. And he concludes with the broad assertion that with the same measure that ye meet withal, shall it be measured to you again. The general, general meaning of these words appears to be that no one shall ever be a loser in the long run by deeds of self-denying charity and, and patient long-suffering love. At, at times one may seem to get nothing, nothing by one's conduct, but what may appear to reap as nothing by ridicule or, or contempt or some sense of injury, that their kindness may sometimes tempt us to, to impose on him. But Jesus' patient and forbearance may be abused, but at the last, one will always be found to be a gainer. Often a gainer in this life and certainly, most certainly, a gainer in the life to come. And such is the teaching and the leading of the scripture of our Lord Jesus Christ about charity and love. Few of Jesus' sayings are so deeply heart-searching as, as those who, in this scripture, we've been considering. Few passages in the Bible are so truly humbling as, as these 11, 11 verses. How little of the very style of charity and love which our Lord recommends is to be seen either in the world or in the church. How common 
is an angry, a, a passionate spirit, a, a morbid sensitivity about what it is called honor, and a readiness to quarrel on the least of occasions? How seldom we see men and women, boys and girls, who, who, who love their enemies and do good, hoping for nothing again, and bless those that curse them and are kind to the unthankful and the evil? Truly, are we, we are reminded here of our Lord's words that narrow, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and, and few there be that find it, according to Matthew chapter 7, 13. And how happy the world would be if Christ's precepts were strictly, strictly obeyed. The chief causes of, of half the sorrows of human kindness are our selfishness and strife and unkindness and, and want of charity. Never was there a greater mistake than to suppose that vital, vital Christianity interferes with human happiness. It is not having too much religion, but too little that makes people gloomy and wretched and miserable. Wherever Christ is best known and wherever Christ is best obeyed, there will always be found the most real joy and the most real peace. And would we, would we know anything by expression of this blessing of grace, the grace of charity and love? Then let us seek to be joined to Christ by, by faith and works and to be taught and, and sanctified by his spirit we do not gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles. We cannot have flowers without roots or fruit without trees. We cannot have the fruit of the Spirit without a vital reunion re re with Christ and union, a, a new creation within us. Such a not yet born again, can never really love in the manner that Christ enjoins us. Father teaches the great impact and the great importance by way of television and radio and YouTube and Facebook and other means of communication that as we give, it shall be given unto us that we cannot have the fruits of the Spirit without the vital union with Christ and a new creation within us. In such a not born again can never really love in the manner that Christ enjoins. With every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians in prayer, may we pray these words, Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness, for coming into our hearts and lives, for being real, in calling us to reality, that as we give, it shall be given unto us. Fill us with your spirit through acts of love and charity. In Jesus' name, amen. As we turn to our offering and our offering prayer and our offering hymn, as the ushers come forward this morning, would you be so kind to read with me together the offertory prayer and in your bulletin, holy God of light that overcomes darkness and death, 
as we offer our tithes and offerings to you this morning. We pray that we may give the confidence and assurance of those fully convinced in our promise of resurrection. Help us to experience our generosity as those who have no need to hold back or hedge our bets. May we live our days giving freely with love and grace, not as those who have the hope of salvation, but the promise in Christ we pray, amen. Our offertory hymn is Love, Divine Love, All Excelling, purple number 384.
Would you stand, please, for the doxology? Gracious and all-powerful and merciful God, we offer our gifts to you this day and, and open hands and open hearts. We know that there have been days when we have clung to the assets of this world for our security to try to control our future. At times we've been tempted to believe that it's in gaining more that we would find salvation. Open our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear the truth from your Apostle Paul that we need only hold firmly to the good news of Christ's death and resurrection. It alone will save us. He alone will provide us that Holy Spirit, the holy name of Jesus, our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. That's not. Thank you. 